Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Who brought a Bible today? Okay. And, and if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you brought a Bible too. You just didn't know it yet, right? Some of you look on digital Bibles. So uh, I'm going to be going through a lot of Scripture today. I just want you to know that. And I'm not going to take one text and break it down and explain it. I'm going to take many texts and I'm doing a topical message today. And we'll kind of go on a survey through the Bible. We're going to take a journey through the Bible. We're going to continue our series called Water and Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. And my message is the person, the work, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Or as I've often told you, the person, the work, and for Pentecostals, the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? So we're going to talk about that today, and before we do that, I'd like you to pray with me. I know we just prayed, but I want to pray again because I am needy of God's help. I can't do this. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here and that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us power, gives us the ability to understand the Bible, opens up the Scripture, breathes life on it, makes it come off the page and go beyond being just another book. So Lord, we pray that you would breathe life into the scripture, that Holy Spirit, you'd be the illuminator of the text and you'd be with me, you'd be with my mouth and my mind and you'd help it all to connect and you'd be with our ears and our eyes and our feet and help us to live out what we hear, that we wouldn't just be people who preach, but we would be practicers of what we say we believe. So help me, Lord, to communicate it in a way that everybody here will be able to understand. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as a follower of Jesus, you were not created by God, nor were you born anew to live the Christian life in your own power and your own intelligence. Can I tell you something right off the bat in this message? The Christian life... The real Christian life is impossible to live, humanly speaking. If it wasn't, there would be no reason for Jesus to have come. Because the Christian life is a life that you live from the power of another. And so if you think being a Christian is, I'm just going to be a better person, or I'm going to be good, or I'm going to turn over a new leaf and quit doing some stuff and start doing other things, you're missing the point. The gospel, what we call the gospel, the good news of this faith that we live is that God came on our behalf when we were powerless and we were weak and Jesus went to a Roman cross to take the sin that we couldn't bear, the sin that would lead to our judgment upon His own body on the cross and then He bodily rose from the dead and came out of a tomb and He sent us the very Spirit that was in Him to give us the power to live the life that He lives. That's the gospel, right? And If He didn't do that, we couldn't do it. Do you follow me? God the Father sends His Helper, the Holy Spirit, to live in us and be with us. 
The Holy Spirit is God. He is not an it. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but let me just preface it or set it up for you. Many people, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, they call the Holy Spirit it. Has anybody ever called you it? If they did, didn't it annoy the heck out of you? You're like, I'm not an it, right? You're not an it. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person with emotion, with mind, with will, with feelings, all right? So that's important. He created everything along with the Father and the Son. He has dwelt in eternity past with the Father and the Son. He lives in us to grow His fruit or His character. He lives in us to empower us to proclaim His good news and to do the works that Jesus did when He walked on the earth. Sadly, many of us in this room have settled for a powerless Christianity. Sadly, too many of us have settled for a merely intellectual Christianity. Merely intellectual. I'm not saying that the gospel isn't intellectual. It is. We're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the whole being is to engage in loving God. But many of us have merely settled for an intellectual Christianity that's powerless, and that's sad. That's tragic. The truth is, the Holy Spirit is continuing the ministry of Jesus on earth through us, His church. Now think about that. Jesus went to heaven. Remember, He did miracles. He proclaimed. He taught. He did all these amazing things. He went to heaven and He sent the Spirit so that what He began could continue. And that's why the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us and empower us. For that to happen, we must have the same power that Jesus and the apostles had. We need dynamic power. Today we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and the wonderful plan and the love of God to fill the earth with His kingdom through us. Today we're going to learn of the person, the work, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to start with John 14, 16 through 17, and I want to remind you that the Father gives us a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 and 17, look at what it says. And I will ask the Father... And He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So isn't that a great promise? Jesus is saying, you know, I'm about to go to heaven. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the dead. They didn't get it when he said it. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to make myself known to you over a period of time. And then I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to ascend and sit at my Father's right hand. And then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not going to leave you alone. You're not going to have to do this on your own. He's going to come and dwell inside of you and give you the ability and the power to continue to live as I lived. And He's going to be with you forever. Now what a promise. You'll never be an orphan. You'll never be alone. Can I just tell any of you that are in here, even those of you that battle with heartbreaking loneliness, if you have a relationship with God by the person of the Holy Spirit, you will never be alone. You'll have the closest friend and companion. Amen. By the way, can we go ahead, um, for some reason we're not, uh, the, the slides are not coming up on the back screen. Can you make sure they go up on that screen as well? So I can be sure that um, you guys are keeping up with me. Thank you. I know, that's my micromanaging. Uh, So here's the first question we have to ask. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first, He's God and He's personal. And I'm going to start this. He's the creator. 
the Holy Spirit is the creator. And I love how right in the first two verses of the Bible, we're introduced to the Holy Spirit. Notice Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created... It's not up there, is it? Oh, man. Okay, so can you take my word for it? Oh, here we go. Everybody go, woo! Yeah, okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That's great language, isn't it? It sounds like a sci-fi movie. It needs to be told in a better voice, though. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And the next verse says, And God said, Let there be light. I can just imagine. It it had to be cool and dramatic, right? Let there be light. And what you see in that moment is the Father is speaking. Jesus is called the Word. The Word goes into action. And the Holy Spirit hovering over this void begins to work. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit began to work their creative magic. And God the artist, God the architect, and God the creator goes to work building this amazing creation. Boom. Bam. Wow. I'm excited. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity and therefore God. Look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in what? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How is he with us? Through the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to notice again, in the baptismal formula, we have the Trinitarian name of God. So we're being baptized into the Father, into the Son, and into the Holy Spirit. We're being immersed into God, as it were. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this, and this is Paul pronouncing a blessing over the Christians at the end of the letter to the Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians. This is the last couple of verses, and he's closing it out with a Trinitarian blessing, and he once again shows us that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know grace comes through Jesus. If you don't know what grace is, that's God's divine favor to you, his kindness and his goodness, a a, a positive, as it were, predisposition towards you in spite of the fact that you're a sinner and lost and need redemption. He still favors you apart from any merit on your part. So the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. We know that God so loved the world, He gave His Son. So the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So He's saying, look, that that communion, that friendship, that sharing together of good things, that's in the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. So again, we see the Trinitarian God, the Holy Spirit is God. Next point is the Holy Spirit has personality and emotions. First of all, we know in the Bible that He speaks. He speaks. Look at what Acts chapter 13 verse 2 says. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And here's an interesting thing you see within the words of the Bible. The Bible, by the way, is 66 books. Did you know that? 
66 separate books written over about 15 to 1600 years of time through over 40 authors on three different continents. And as they wrote the Bible over this long period of time, separated by many, many miles, separated by, by vocation and time and placement in life, as they wrote the scriptures, they wrote separate parts. It was brought together later. One of the powerful things you see is in the Old Testament, we hear about God a lot. We hear about God and we hear about a Messiah to come. In the Gospels, we we hear about Jesus, but as we get into the book of Acts and we come into the, the epistles, the letters that the different apostles wrote, the apostles wrote epistles. Just remember that. Apostles wrote epistles. What's an epistle? A letter, okay? So as we get into the New Testament, we see over and over the person of the Holy Spirit and the language of the Holy Spirit emerging, okay? So it says here, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, did you notice that? The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Secondly, he teaches. But the Helper, John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Do any of you, are any of you facing that wonderful thing that happens as you get older when your memory starts to kind of fade at times? Anybody in here besides me? Liars. Here's the beauty. Let's say you're facing a family member and you want to talk about Jesus. Or let's say you're facing a circumstance in your life and you need guidance and you need direction. And you're not, and you know, you've been reading your Bible for years, but you just can't seem to get clarity of thought and you feel foggy and you, you feel like your mind's under attack and you can't seem to go forward. Do you know you can say, Holy Spirit, you who indwell me, Please bring to my remembrance those things that you've taught me in the past and then just wait and the Lord will begin to show you and bring to your remembrance things that you've forgotten about. I think that's awesome. What a promise. Because there have been many times in my life I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Oh Lord, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Be my teacher and my helper. Be my guide. Lead me and guide me. Amen? Thirdly, he comforts people. Look at what Acts 9.31 says. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord. Look at this. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And I felt a little bit of that this morning. In our worship, and I've been here other Sundays, some of you will know what I'm talking about, or maybe you're in your own prayer closet, as, as it were, or you're taking a walk, and you're dealing with an issue in your life, and maybe you're grieving, you're going through the loss of a loved one, a loved one or maybe a broken relationship, or the loss of a job, or the loss of a vision, or a dream, whatever it may be in your life, you're experiencing a sense of grief and loss, and you're just, God, I need help, and you have that awareness, the Holy Spirit almost descends on you, or rises up in you, like like a big comforter, right? Like, like God just gave you a big hug. You ever been there? We've had Sundays here where you can just watch as people are up front being prayed for. You can just tell the comfort of the Holy Spirit has fallen on people. And, and you know, they're weeping, but that, that weeping is, is the healing virtue of God touching their heart and getting stuff off of them. You can just see the activity of the Holy Spirit in worship. Sometimes I'll look out and I'll see people that are in worship, and just in the middle of a song, they're weeping and crying, and God is ministering to them. He comforts. Did you know He can be grieved? He can be grieved. 
Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do we grieve Him? When we sin, when we go against His heart, when we do things that break His heart, when we break His commandments, when we, when we go off in that rebellion. We know you shouldn't be going there, but we do it anyway. And we push down that sense of the voice of the Holy Spirit within us. No, well, the Holy Spirit inside of us grieves. Now, here's the beauty. He doesn't leave. He grieves. And that's important because many people think when they sin, God leaves them. God separates himself. He goes off. He, he moves to another planet, right? But the truth is he grieves inside. He woos inside. He draws. He says, come on, get away from that. That stuff's bad for you. That will mess you up. Come away from that. Change your thinking on that. Don't you know that's stinking thinking and it'll mess you up? Come with me. I want to teach you a new way to think, a new way to feel, a new way to live. That's called repentance. Are you following me? He guides people and glorifies Jesus. One thing you can be sure of with the Holy Spirit is he will always make a big deal about Jesus. He'll always make a big deal. And he'll guide us. Look at what John 16, 13 through 15 says. And I want you to notice the personal pronoun, he and his, all through this text. And again, this is to illustrate that he's not an it. Okay, so you ready? John 16, 13 through 15. Verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me, this is Jesus speaking, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, all that the Father has, here we go again, the Trinity, Trinitarian God right here. The Father is talking about the Son, and the Son is telling us about the Holy Spirit, right? He will take all that the Father has as mine, therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So you see, once again, God is guiding us, teaching us, and glorifying Jesus. How are y'all doing? Getting something out of this? Good. Okay. So once again, he's not an it. Let's get that right. So don't, next time you're talking about the Holy Spirit really touched you or moved upon your life, don't, don't say. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're going to run him off for this. I'm not, I'm not saying. But, but let, let's be reverent of his presence. And instead of saying, you know, it like he's some kind of energy or power, which is what cults believe. Cults teach that he's just an energy or power or active force. The gospel teaches that he is God. So next time, you know, you're talking about what he did in your life, don't say, it, it was so good, it moved on me, it touched me. Don't say that, say, he, he moved on me, the Lord is moving in my life, the Holy Spirit filled me, amen. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do in and for us? What does the Holy Spirit do in and for us? What's his work? First, and we've been talking about this the last several weeks, he gives us a new birth and he lives in us. He lives in us. I was talking to a man recently who came out of another religion, and he said, you know, in our religion, they teach that the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell people. He only comes upon them. And I said, but that's not what the Scripture says. Yes, there are texts in the Old Testament that say the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Holy Spirit empowered them, the Holy Spirit clothes us. It even says it in the New Testament. He clothes us, but the New Testament believers like you and I, we have more than that. We have more than just the Holy Spirit coming upon us to use us in a moment or empower us for a specific deed. We have the Holy Spirit coming to move inside and live inside of us as his house. And he doesn't move out. And that's really powerful. So he gives us a new birth. 
John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 say, Jesus answered, he's talking to Nicodemus, we taught on this already, but truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, meaning natural birth, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, right? So we know that we are born anew by the Spirit. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know... I'm talking to you, church. I'm talking to you, people of God. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? So do something with me. I know some of you think this kind of stuff's corny. It's okay. A little bit of corn is good for you. Take your hand, put it right over your midsection, your heart, your belly, whatever, right? And, and just kind of you know, touch this, touch this body of yours real quick and just realize if you're a Christian, if you've been born of God, just say, I'm the house of God. Okay, now we got to go beyond that. Now say this with me. We're the house of God. My body. Okay, you're getting weak now. Okay, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in here. Right here. That's revolutionary. You see, in the Old Testament, God didn't live in people. Did you know that? He came to the temple in Jerusalem made of stones, right? Made of brick and mortar. It had beautiful things and wood and cedar and gold and other precious stones. But it was nothing like the precious stones that I'm looking at. And that's what happened in the New Testament. God went from coming down by His Spirit, what, is, what was known as the Shekinah of God, the glory of God, the manifestation of the cloud of God in the Old Testament. He came from doing that, you know, periodically in Jerusalem at the temple there and in the Holy of Holies. He came from doing that to dwelling inside a many-membered temple that is global of every race, kindred, tribe, and tongue. He now lives inside of humans. That's where you go, Mind blown. Okay, right? And that's what happens when we're born again and when we put our faith in Christ and in His good news, the Spirit that created the universe comes to live inside of us as His dwelling place. He begin, listen to this. He begins to live His life through us. We cooperate over the course of our lives by learning to follow His leading through Scripture. So the Spirit and the Bible. Listen carefully. The Spirit and the Word will always agree. Okay, so uh, this is important. The Holy Spirit, say never with me. Never. Let's say it again. Never. never. The Holy Spirit will never lead you in contradiction to Scripture. It's really important. Some people are like, the Holy Ghost told me to do this. I'm like, mm, nope. That might have been a spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was another spirit. Okay? might have been your own mind, but the Spirit and the Word will always agree. It's super important we understand that. All right? So He leads us through His Scripture, through community, brothers and sisters. That's why we have to learn to be humble and receive from each other. Wait a minute. Come on, church. Are you listening to me? That's why we have to be humble and learn to receive from each other. Because if you and I can't tell each other 
about our blind spots if we can't call each other on our attitudes and our stuff lovingly, gently, but if we can't call people on stuff, if we can't help each other grow, people will walk with blind spots that hurt one another and they'll never grow up. So there's got to be people in your life that can call you out, right? And they need to do it right and they won't always do it right, but we got to have people that can call us out. That's community. That's how families work and we're a family. Staying with me? The next thing he does is he grows his holy fruit in our lives. And his holy fruit is the character of God. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit... Oh, I did this in the first service. I want to do it with you. Will you read the Scripture out loud with me? We're going to do some public reading of Scripture right now. You ready? Okay, fill your lungs with air. Okay. And let's read... And none of this... None of that. Come on. Come on. Read it like you mean it, right? Okay, here we go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It goes on in, in that same text of Scripture. It says, but the works of the flesh, and it tells you what all these works of the flesh are, meaning the, not, not just the body, but the, the works that are carnal, that are evil. And it, it says, so, so the flesh works, but the Spirit has fruit. And you see the difference? There's a contrast there. The flesh works. It labors to do evil. The Spirit produces fruit. So when the Holy Spirit indwells a believer, that indwelling presence begins to change your character. And you start to grow, and it comes from the inside out. See, man-made religion is from the outside in. It's all about giving you a bunch of rules and laws to try to conform um, conform your behavior. But the gospel goes to the inside and the Holy Spirit indwells you and working with the Word and the Spirit and community begins to conform from the inside out your character and nature and begins to grow in you these different qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things grow from the inside out. And that's the difference between dead, man-made religion that can never change a human heart and godly, true indwelling, life-giving, gospel, spirit, good news, true Christianity. It's the growth of God from the inside out, right? Somebody say, I needed that. All right. And then the next thing the Holy Spirit does, and this is where I'm going to start to come in for a landing, though I've told you before, I may circle the airport a few times. The Holy Spirit empowers us to continue Jesus' ministry. Luke 24, 49 says this, and I love this text of Scripture. And behold, I was telling the first service, whenever you see the word behold, don't you want to go, and behold! Right? There's just something about that, right? It's, the word is kind of that, that old school King James, um, you know, Shakespeare. For behold! Yes, anyway. I am sending that one over like a lead balloon. I am sending, look at this, the promise of my Father. So once again, Trinity, I want you to notice, behold, I, Jesus, the Son, am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now we learn later that power from on high was the Holy Spirit. That's power clothing, 
right? Business executives, what do they do? They wear power suits and a power tie, but they ain't got nothing on us. All of us are clothed with power, true power from on high. How many of you want some new clothes? Right on. Okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, continuing this thought. I I told you it's going to be a lot of scripture, right? And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, listen carefully, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive, as the Pentecostals say, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So let's break this down real quick because this is where I'm going to end and this is really what I, I hope to focus on with you. First of all, did you notice that Jesus told his people to wait for the promised Holy Spirit baptism? Now, why did he tell them that? Well, here's what had happened. Jesus had come and he'd lived a sinless life. He died on a Roman cross for their sins. He'd been buried in a rich man's tomb that was borrowed. Why was it borrowed? Because three days later he came out of the tomb, Right? And then he rose from the dead, and over 40 days after that, he appeared multiple times to his disciples. And every time he appeared to them, he taught them. And the scripture tells us he taught them about the kingdom of God. And after 40 days, he said, okay, guys and gals, I'm going. I'm going up. But you're not going to be alone. He had already told him this in John. You're not going to be alone. I'm not going to leave you orphans. You're not going to have to do this by yourself. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you one to come alongside you. I'm going to send you one to come live inside of you. I'm going to give you power so you don't have to do this thing in your own human energy. Now, I want you to think about something. Wouldn't it be cruel of God, wouldn't it be cruel of Jesus to tell us, go into all the world and tell everybody about me and do the same works that I do, and by the way, um, you're just going to do this in your own energy and strength and wisdom and knowledge and creativity and imagination. Good luck. How many of you know that venture is futility and failure, right? So what does he say? I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to give you the same power and ability within you that, you that I had so that my mission on earth can continue. Wow. So he tells us that we have to wait for the Holy Spirit baptism. Now what does the word baptism mean? To be baptized means to be saturated, drowned, but you still live, Right? It's like I tell people when we baptize people here jokingly, just before I'm going to baptize them, I'm going to hold you under for quite a while. How many of you know the panic starts right then? And then I tell them, I'm just joking, right? Yeah, you got a lot of bad stuff in your past, man. We're going to have to hold you under a little longer than normal. There's a lot of dirty stuff there. You ready? Is it off yet? I can't hear you. Okay, that's not very nice. 
You're going to be saturated, drowned, dunked, immersed, and overflowed with the Holy Spirit. He's like making a promise. I'm going to fill you up and immerse you and saturate you in myself. And then he told him something. Now, this is interesting. I want you to notice the placement of it. He tells him he's going to give him power. And later he tells them so they can be witnesses in all the world and right in the middle of it. So here he's saying, this is the provision for what you're called to do. And this is the mission of what you're going to do. And right in the middle of it, what's he tell them? Don't get caught up in trying to figure out times and seasons of my kingdom and my coming. Now here's a question. How many of you have noticed the foolish stuff we've had in the news for the last, I mean, it's been going on for thousands of years, but for the last five years especially, every few months, some new crackpot, nut job predicts that Jesus is coming in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And people get all freaked out by it. And they're like, he said, you know, he's got this special Bible knowledge. He's come up with a code. They figured out with all the feasts of the Old Testament exactly when it's going to happen. It's going to happen in September, October on Feast and Tabernacles. Everybody get ready. And this has been going on for two millennia, 2,000 years. And you would think we'd be like, okay, McFly, hello, this is foolishness. Quit it, people of God. But people get on the bandwagon. And it makes us look dumb. It's terrible. So can I just tell you something? Let's take the advice of Jesus himself and not follow that foolishness. And the next time you hear that Jesus is coming back on a certain day, don't even worry. Okay, the next time somebody tells you the Mayan calendar has predicted the end of the world, the next time anybody says, it's, we're at the end, the ships are going down, you just say, that's bull. Okay, bull hockey, whatever. Don't use the other word, you know, but you know what I mean. But that's essentially what it is. It's poop. Okay, what's that? I didn't understand. It's okay. We'll talk later. So it's not true, okay? Just reject it out of hand. It's not true. It's not going to happen. Don't let your life be seized with fear. God's still doing a lot on this planet. There's still a lot of work to do. Jesus is not coming back when they say he is, right? The end of the world is not, as, not at hand right this moment. And God is filling his people, and the gospel is going to the ends of the earth. So don't get concerned about it. I'm not saying don't look for his coming. I'm saying don't listen to the crackpots who say it's happening on a certain day. They don't know. Don't get caught up in the times and seasons, which takes me to my last points here. Jesus told his people they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And that word power is the Greek word that we get dynamite from. It's dunamis. Dynamite, dynamic, dynamism. It's that dynamic power for every follower of his. So we don't just settle on our human energy, our human ingenuity, our human intellect, our human imagination, but we trust in the indwelling power of the Almighty God to fill us and lead us. And then Jesus told his people that the Holy Spirit's power was so they could be witnesses everywhere. He told them, so that they could have a first-hand knowledge. A, 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 excuse me, a witness is someone who has first-hand knowledge of what they speak of. To be a witness is to be one who has experienced what they speak of. The word witness, you're going to love this, the word witness is where we derive the word martyr from. Ooh. It speaks of a first-hand spectator or witness who is willing to die for what he or she have seen. 
We need power to die daily to ourselves and let the power of the Holy Spirit live out the life of Christ to us so we can go into this world that knows He's still alive through us and they'll see people who are dead to themselves but alive in the resurrection power of Christ because dunamis spirit lives inside of us. The same spirit that raised Him from the dead quickens us and gives us the ability to continue the works that He started 2,000 years ago. And this, yeah, amen. And this is not just for elite black ops Christians. This is not a special forces. This is for every believer in the body of Christ to have power to do the works of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Now, in closing, I want to do a quick illustration, and I'm really running out of uh, time here, so I want to do a quick illustration here. So you follow me, okay? It's going to take me a minute to set up, but um, I, I want to show you a couple of quick illustrations about the Christian life. So uh, are you with me? Okay, so, okay, I got to take one more sip. Mm. Okay, so, water, cups, Alka-Seltzer. This message has been giving me heartburn and I just wanted to address it. Just kidding, just kidding. Okay, so. I, uh, I just want to illustrate something about the Christian life to you that I think is so important for all of us to get. And the first thing is, um, and I've shown you this before, you've seen this before, the first thing is uh, this idea that, you know, when we first come to the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, are, are, do we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit then? Is it the same thing? Is it a different thing? And I, what I want to say is yes and no, and it could be and maybe not, and a lot of people's experiences are different, and even the Bible seems to mix the order up sometimes. So don't worry. Don't get caught up on the details of it. But here's what happens. When a person becomes a Christian, they put faith in Jesus, and they're regenerated, and all that happens. Uh, the cup is, is the person, and here's what happens. The Holy Spirit, and I realize the Holy Spirit's not an it. It's not water, right? He's a he, right? Uh, but he's a person, but what we do see is the Holy Spirit in the Scripture is compared to water, okay? So you, you, get, you get the Holy Spirit in your life, right? But the overflowing, the immersion, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what some would say the second blessing of the Holy Spirit, is when you get overpowered, you get empowered and overflowed with the Holy Spirit to do the works of God, and what happens is you get overflowed. Now, I want you to notice, as the cup is overflowing and it's flowing into the bottom of the pan, it's touching all of these other cups. And this is what happens when we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the overflow of God through gifts through boldness, through courage we didn't have before, through spiritual gifts, even the gift of tongues and interpretation or tongues in prayer language, all those things. There's an overflowing of the life of God that comes out of us so that we minister to people out of the overflow, not out of our own emptiness. Okay? But then, this is what happens in a lot of our lives. We count on little experiences here and there to get the Holy Spirit to fill us in our life because we don't, we don't take time to get regularly filled up. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit's being poured out, but here's our life. Oh, I got a little bit of church on Sunday. Oh, and um, I read my Bible today, but I didn't read it for another two months. And then, uh, and then somebody gave me a good word. And then, you know, so we come in on Sunday and we get a little bit of this from Doug or Pastor Raul or the worship or somebody comes up to us and blesses us. We get prayed for up front. And this is our life. And then we go out on Monday and stuff happens and it all gets poured out and we're empty again. 
and we're counting on all the wrong stuff to fill us up. And the Lord's saying, I want you to come and just be with me every day because if you sit still for a few minutes, I can fill you up, right? If you sit still for a few minutes, I can make sure you get what you need and even get you to overflow into the lives of other people. Do you follow? Amen. Now, the next illustration is the life of, of many of you. You are spirit-filled. You're spilled up, spilled up, filled up, and spilled up, yeah. And there's some overflow in your life. It's happening here and there a little bit, but, but here's the problem. You, um, I, I'm going to say that the power part isn't happening. Oh, no, I blew it, didn't I? I'm going to have to illustrate it here. Thank you, Noah, for saying yes. I needed that. Okay. <laughs> So you got this power, this energetic power, Alka-Seltzer, um, Holy Spirit indwelling. Uh, but here's the problem. you got this activation in your life. But here's the problem. You keep it in the package. And it doesn't do anything. And here's the package. Fear, limitations, inadequacies, insecurities, all the things in your life that keep you from stepping out. You don't realize that you've got power in you, but you won't unlock that power because of your insecurities and fears and doubts and self-doubts, and you don't realize there's somebody inside of you that's a helper, that's overpowering, that, can, that, that all you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I'm open to you, and suddenly that activation comes. He will back you, but many of you, you don't believe if you step out, God will back you, and I want to tell you, if you'll step out in obedience and do what he says, he'll back you. If you feel like I need to pray for that sick person, but I, 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 what if it doesn't happen? What if I can't do it? What if I fail? What if I don't pray the right words? Or I need to share Jesus with that neighbor? What if, what if I can't, I can't? And you, you immediately turn your eyes on yourself. You're keeping the Spirit's power locked up in a package. But if you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to let the package open up, then you'll start to see some Did the other one come out? Yeah, you'll start to see some effervescence and some overflow. Oh my goodness, look at that. Bubbles and all. And it's overflowing. And that's what happens in the life of a believer that begins to obey. And I thought this was beautiful. Noah had this word. And this word was that some of us, we got, you know, the Holy Spirit is blowing. There's a wind, but we don't have our sails up because we're not being obedient. And if we'll just, look at that. And if we'll just be obedient, there will be an overflow in our life and the wind of God will come and catch our sails and move us into what God has for our lives. And so I want to encourage you, get your sails up, take the packaging off of the power of the Spirit, obey what God's told you to do, and step out and watch what He does through you. Amen. Why don't you stand with me?